0: On this week's episode, we're talking about the SpaceX Falcon Heavy launch, the latest movie releases including Fifty Shades of Grey, and Martin tells us how Google are launching a brand new venture into the gaming world. You're listening to The Three Pixels Tech, Gaming and Movie Podcast. Brought to you by Alan Taylor, Martin Gregory and me, Ben Ridley. Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to the last episode. We had a great response over social media and over feedback that we received through the various channels that we've been trying to get feedback off everyone. So thank you so much for everyone who has been getting involved with the podcast and has been enjoying it and loving the fact that we are back. We are absolutely so happy to be back and we've got loads of new content coming your way this week, including... Uh, whole new changes and new features that we're trying to add in slowly and change things up. So we really appreciate everyone who's got involved. Thank you so much. So a new little feature we're going to try out for the next couple of episodes of the podcast is Two Truths, One Lie. I thought it'd be a good opportunity for you guys to find a little bit out about us and for us to share hopefully some interesting stories with you. So Alan, as you were the winner, the victor of the verses, I thought uh, we'd pick on you first. So Tell us your two truths and one lie.
1: Fact number one, I used to have a tortoise named Blitz. Fact number two, the highest number of balls I can juggle is five. Fact number three, I lived for two years
0: on a vineyard. They all could be true. This is the problem. I we've made it difficult here. Hmm. I feel like I believe the vineyard.
2: I believe the tortoise. I think he did have a tortoise at one point.
0: Um, don't forget, two of them are true. I
2: know, yeah, but if you're, I'm, I'm going to try and work this one out. If, you've got, if you got, have think that's yeah. true, and you know, I think the tortoise is true. I think we've got it here.
0: Well, I don't know. What's the second one?
1: The highest number of balls I can juggle is five.
2: And can you still juggle today, Alan?
1: I'm sure if I did it, I haven't done for a little while. If I get back into it. If I'm sure it. I could. If I
2: you can't ask you these questions,
0: oh, I can't <laughs> because that's like, because what if it's, that's the lie? <laughs> we're going to not... whittle
2: him down, aren't we? That's what we're going to do.
0: <laughs> I think the
2: juggling is a lie. Yeah, same. That's what I'm down to.
1: So the lie was number two: the juggling. Yes, I can't juggle. Do you know At what?
0: The, the, only, the only way I kind of deduced it is like I thought in my mind is like, have I ever seen you juggle? <laughs> no. Not even, you know, like when someone can juggle and you sometimes like there's like fruit oh, in a fruit bowl or they just like, just, yeah. yeah. And with that, let's dive straight in to this week's Tech Corner. It'll be impossible this week to do an episode without talking about Elon Musk's massive leap into space with the Falcon Heavy from his company SpaceX. The rocket made a triumphant launch into space, not only being able to return its fuel boosters back to earth for the next project to be reused, which is a a whole feat in itself, but launched one of Elon Musk's cars, one of his first Teslas that he ever made with the Tesla company up into space on a voyage, which was supposed to go towards Mars, not quite going to make it over to Mars, but it's still incredible in its own right. And uh, did any of you guys see the, the launch or have obviously read things about it?
2: I read things about it. Um I tried to keep up with it as much as I could and then all of a sudden it sort of sprung up on me when my friend said to me, Oh my, did you watch the SpaceX video? I was like, Wow. So I had a quick look back, looked at some papers and yeah, it was quite interesting actually. It's quite good read. Yeah, it was incredible that
0: the the amount of people who actually got behind this and it proves that you know, space is still uh, an exciting prospect for many people, and still brings people together. There was a live stream on YouTube, and it, it just kind of it just kind of blew up. It broke all kind of records and was massively reviewed and massively reviewed and talked about and it was it was really nice to see. It was really nice to see because I feel like there hasn't been a breakthrough space project that has really been talked about like this in a very long time. And as someone who gets excited about space and the possibilities of what could become of our venture out into the unknown I was really happy to see this. It was really, really nice to see that it went so well and it was really positive. I was hoping that it would go as successful um, as possible because I think it kind of puts faith back into, into these projects that they are um, they are working and that they're going to possibly do some really exciting things when it comes to uh, our exploration towards Mars.
1: Well, the other thing with it being such a huge success is on one hand we've got like the public... The public's interest is just way higher than it has been in space before and obviously that sort of thing really pushes uh companies and governments to invest heavily but this is also going to open up the way to the future in that it's so much cheaper it was 250 million dollars cheaper to make this rocket and launch this rocket than any previous so we're going to see a lot more i think even just from that aspect and the exciting thing for us, I mean, obviously, this is opening up the way for the future. We're probably not going to see the final end of this. But the trickle-down tech from space, uh, space exploration, even from NASA, is just always great to see. So we will, I think, see some of the small things come down to us. But, Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the future.
2: As am I with Alan, I'm, I'm really excited where this is going. Um, it And in our generation, the three of us, we haven't really had many space missions or none that I can really recall off the top of my head. Uh, and this is sort of the big launcher pad where I think they've recaptured really caught the eye of the public. And people are going to look uh, and to invest more into space missions. And if it's cheaper than it was, once was, as Alan just uh, mentioned, then I can only see people like SpaceX and other companies investing going into space onward and upward. But what
1: is the end goal? Because when the public does get behind these things, which, like I said, fuels these, it's for an end goal. You know, get to the moon, get to this place, do this thing. And I think if we have uh, uh, an idea, an ideology to all rally behind, this will really push it.
0: Well, Musk hopes that the Falcon Heavy will help with enter planetary exploration and assist with the mission of nasa the american space agency as we all know as it works towards a return to the moon for the first time since 1972 and eventually landing humans on mars before the middle of the century so it's kind of taking us towards this goal of colonizing mars that's the whole aim of the project by using reusable tech that can save money and make it more efficient to do regular launches uh, into space. Turning the tables a little bit, there has been some criticism about this, and I'd like to play a little bit of devil's advocate here by saying that people weren't that happy that he took it as an opportunity to promote his Tesla brand as well by launching one of the original Teslas into space. Critics have seen this as a problem with the ever-growing issue of space rubbish, space garbage and all the bits dust that's been going around the planet and orbiting and has been causing a lot of problems there's been several um satellites that have been taken out by older satellites that have broken apart um as they've been no longer needed and people argue is, was there really necessarily a need to send another piece of rubbish into space even though it's going to degrade very quickly because it's just the, the parts that it's made of is not made to withstand space so it's going to break down to very tiny molecules but it's just you know was it necessary? He hasn't broken any laws. NASA isn't worried about it. But was it a good kind of way of saying to the people, this is the future? You know, if, if, if he wants people to lead by his first step, was this the best possible way of doing that? That's my main concern.
2: I want to jump on in and just say to those people who think that, just get off it, you know, just come off it, you know, uh, who are you kidding yourself? Uh, we always look towards the stars from the dawn of mankind We've always looked towards the stars for answers and questions. And this is a massive, massive step forward in that direction. All right, yes, I can understand people are upset that there is a bit more space junk in the atmosphere and uh, around Earth. But you've got to see, sometimes these sacrifices need to be made. If that means we can have a brighter tomorrow, then so be it.
1: If this is the man, though, that is going to be responsible for taking us to space, he needs to be responsible 100%. He needs to... I mean, this might just be a tiny, flashy, showy-off thing, but how much is, he, is this for his ego and for his brand, or how much is this for the human good?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, this is coming from the same guy who decided to make a flamethrower company to sell a, f- a few thousand flamethrowers just because he could. I mean, honestly... I actually explained this to my mum the weekend and and told him about... Because she doesn't know much about Elon Musk. She knows of him as a person and has heard about the whole SpaceX thing. And I told her about this whole flamethrower thing. And she's like, this sounds like someone who's a little bit unstable. You know, if he feels the need to just... I know it's cool and I know it was funny and the internet liked it. But it was just a bit like... I can't concentrate on one thing or oh, I, I I I really like this cool thing, so let's just run with it. And what happens if he does that with, with SpaceX down the line when he has too much power that feels it's gone to his head and it's going so well that he maybe just makes one silly little thing that is just going to please his ego and do something that he thinks is going to be funny and is going to work out quite well that might actually backfire in his face. Because at the end of the day, he is not like an astronaut. He's not a, a scientist really deep down. He is a very good Business person, he is you know like a Steve Jobs of Apple. He is the Bill Gates of Microsoft. He is someone who is forward thinking and is very intelligent. And I you know I have nothing against Elon Musk. I I think he's a genius, but I'm a little bit concerned that if he took just putting the car out in space so lightly, so early on in the process, that he may take other decisions very lightly later on. As important, and this is why I'm I'm kind of saying this as important as place, space exploration is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And he pretty much is the Tony Stark of our reality, really. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, he's not obligated to be responsible for us. But if he's going to do these massive, huge projects in the name of humanity to push us forward, I feel like he does need to be more responsible.
0: So there we have it. That's been everything for this week's Tech Corner. Let's head over now to the Movie Corner with Alan. To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11-digit prime number after the beep. Beep.
1: Thank you very much. So I've been to go see two big releases since the last podcast, and initially I was going to review them separately, but they deal in very similar themes that I thought it might be more interesting to talk about them in the same conversation and look at how they approach the same subject matter through a different lens. Uh, first one is the Phantom Thread, the critically acclaimed, Oscar-nominated art house movie. Yeah. Okay. The second, is the Fifty Shades Freed. Uh, what? Anyway,
0: sorry, what was the second one? <laughs> the Fifty Shades Freed. Fifty Shades, so Fifty Shades of Grey. So, Freed. Yes. Which is the third instalment in what is probably considered to be the biggest joke of a movie franchise that exists.
2: Why, Alan? Why? It was going so well.
0: All right, we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So let's talk about the the better film.
1: For those who don't know or haven't seen them, uh, The Phantom Thread is Paul Thomas Anderson's latest period drama. Uh, This time it's set in 50s England, but not just set. It does feel like it's been plucked straight out of the time period from the gorgeous visuals that invoke uh, Palin Pressburger and to the score beautifully composed by Johnny Greenwood, which really just encompasses the on-edge romantic quality. So it just feels straight out of the 50s as a film. Uh, I also saw it on 70mm, which just cinched the deal. It was the perfect way to see that. Um, And the movie follows Reynolds Woodcock, who's played by Daniel Day-Lewis in his final portrayal before his retirement, as a designer dressmaker in London with his sister Cyril, who runs the business House of Woodcock. So Reynolds is this impossible artist uh, that like, over-demands control and order from everyone, uh, especially his muses, who he quickly falls in and out of love with, and it's up to his sister to pander to him and get rid of them when he grows t- tired of them. Without going into too many details, he soon goes to the country. Full, We see the cycle go again when he falls in love with a young lady called Alma, played by Vicky Creeps, and we soon see that she's special and she. He doesn't quite anticipate her to be different from his other muses, and she deals with him in her own way and really keeps keeps up with his domineering controlling and at times childish behavior
0: yes, I saw the film at the same time as Alan did so I kind of experienced it uh, as he did as well um and as a movie, I think it was fantastically made. it is a very much an art house film in in the way it came across to me but you, know, you can't deny the skill gone into making every aspect of it from the costume design and the set design and the sound design just just hearing it uh, as I did in the cinema and seeing it on film and uh, not digital actually on film with something that of this period that um, features some fantastic actors in it. Uh, it was incredible. It was it was a really, really great experience, and I enjoyed the experience of of, of watching it as an art, as a piece of artwork. And the reason I'm saying that is, for, for me personally, the film never moved me in any general direction. It never kind of made me feel anything, particularly at the end. I didn't feel like I had experienced anything, which is a big part of the movie-going experience for me. I like to feel like I have either learnt something or have felt something emotionally or have been humoured or something and i just felt like it didn't really do anything for me and that might just be a thing with me that that movie didn't line up with me in certain ways uh, i'm not really too sure but i can't deny and this is no you know this is no negative towards the the film in terms of the way it was made i i think it was made very very well and as as someone who who likes to likes to see the ins and outs of films and see the production behind it. Uh, there's no doubt that a lot of effort, and a lot of hard work went into this, so they should be very proud of what they've produced. It just didn't line up with me. It just didn't do anything for me, and uh, I think that's probably a personal reflection more than a physical reflection of the film.
1: So this might be your speed. By contrast, Fifty Shades Freed is the third and final part of the Fifty Shades of Grey series.
0: You're, you're very much insulting me there, aren't you?
1: <laughs> so the film opens with the marriage of Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele. Uh, and then we go into their honeymoon where, unintentionally, I think, both of them just look bored.
2: Okay. So I have to say this now, of, of this film, have you ever watched, like, when they talk about these films, like, you say about they look bored? Like, I watched some Graham Norton talk about their film. Oh my God. They just had no chemistry and they look bored of each other. I'm really sorry, I have to add that in.
1: They really don't have chemistry and they haven't from day one. But yeah, that's that's a problem with the whole series i think and i do like both of these actors so it's definitely from the direction and from the writing mostly the writing i'd say uh, this was written by the author's husband so that's probably saying something yeah. um but at the beginning there are brief moments of his old controlling demons coming through but they're just so quickly justified and wafted away and they don't keep any of the flaws that could keep this interesting and then the rest of the movie largely revolves around their newly married life and the problems that are faced by any uber wealthy newlywed couple as ben i'm sure you can relate uh problems with my mansions decorator flirting with my husband and
0: and you should say that i'm married well i'm rich i just couldn't get uber wealthy that. newlywed I'm both, apparently. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, this is truly speaking my day-to-day problems. Yeah. Or it's just...
1: And, you know, or oh, my friend's boyfriend might be cheating on her. Just these clearly soap opera fluff stories. And I think the screenwriter knows they're boring because every now and again we get more soap opera drama with the bloody stalker with a very confused agenda going after Christian Grey by way of Anastasia. And drama is kind of generous because all of the conflict in this is cleared up within minutes. Uh, nothing is given the time to become tense or, or dramatic. Uh, the bodyguards they hire do a very good job of stopping <laughs> the stalker every time he gets near them.
2: Oh, those pesky bodyguards doing what they're <laughs> doing paid for. Oh.
1: And I know, I know, this, the whole point of this isn't about the plot. Uh, it's about the sexy time stuff. And... As with all of these, it's just so bland just and uninspiring and
0: true. tame. What I understand they took the the key aspect. They took what what is the key aspect of a Fifty Shades of Grey book? And it's the the intimate moments. And I feel like they decided. I know, obviously, they couldn't. Betray the whole thing because then it would be a very different type of film that Martin normally watches on his own after the podcast. So, yeah, so I know they couldn't actually put all of that into the film. But it does feel like that was that is kind of like the heart and soul of the of the books and of of what would be the movies. But from my understanding, that kind of hasn't seen.
1: Yeah, they very much castrated these movies.
0: Yeah, Um, that's that's a good that's a good way. That's a very good good, that's a very good way of putting that now. Yeah, you be very proud movie, of yourself. Yeah.
1: Uh, but the reason I wanted to compare both of these movies, as opposite as they sound, is because in theory they're both about dominant, controlling men uh, entering into an abusive, masochistic relationship with a younger woman. But, you know, she turns the tables and wrestles for equal power. So on paper they both... Because she does. She does turn yeah, the tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can understand where you're going does, with this. But every single step where the Phantom Thread goes the right way... 50 shades founders. Uh Reynolds and Alma have this very interesting beautifully dysfunctional relationship that I mean even you must admit genuinely feels based in love and understanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh and understanding of the demons that haunt them. And but more importantly it doesn't glamorize them. You do feel disgusted by the way they treat each other. Uh and Christian Grey on the other hand is presented as a knight that women should want and want to fix and uh, get rewarded with aeroplanes and cars and limp-wristed slaps on the bottom. It's just awful. And I don't... I Not a great message. And even though uh, uh, Phantom Thread is a drama and through all its sadness and dysfunction, it has genuine humour in it. I mean, I don't know if you found it funny, but there is sharp wit through that whole movie. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and... Uh, the, character, the actress that plays his sister just do a great job um, of keeping humour in it. But it's probably unfair to compare these two movies because I know... A little bit, I think. I, I understand it's... what
0: you're doing and it's very, very clever and I applaud you for that. But yeah, I mean, you, in real terms, they're quite different movies. They're quite different experiences. So, I mean, if you are out there thinking of seeing or I've seen Fifty Shades of Grey and thinking, oh, well, maybe The Phantom Fred is my kind of movie if you enjoyed um, which is great. That is maybe that's maybe not the the line to draw there. But Neither of
1: these are movies to take your partner to on Valentine's Day.
0: N- no, not not for not, not seri- for romantic no, not a se- yeah not for romantic or for serious decisions. definitely take
1: as many people as you can to go see the Phantom Thread. Don't see Fifty Shades.
0: For the love of God, <laughs> don't see it.
2: I feel we're very. I feel like we're swinging in one direction here, guys. I couldn't tell you which way, but. That guy agrees, he keeps (laughs) on. I'm glad you heard that as well. My honest opinion is I have no time for Fifty Shades of Grey in any of its franchise. I haven't watched a single moment of it. Uh, It's just purely because I knew about the books and I work with a lot of um, older women who do enjoy this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay then, so they are tell me about it. And then I I just knew like they couldn't portray this on screen. And when I watched The Graham Norton Show, as I previously mentioned, I just thought, if there's no chemistry offset, how can I believe that uh, you two in a film have chemistry at all? It just makes no sense.
1: So that's all I have to talk about this week. Let me know what you think about those two movies, if you preferred one over the other. Uh, (laughs) I please prefer Phantom Thread over the other, but let me know if you disagree.
2: The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of
0: charades. And with that, we hand over away from the Movie Corner and straight into Games Corner.
2: In Games Corner, I have two articles I want to talk about. One is a small, just a quick little uh, appetizer, and then we're going to get into the main course afterwards. So the first one is Fortnite overtakes PUBG as the biggest video game in the world. Yes, Players are known Battleground recorded 3.2 million players on Steam, which is uh, intensifying rivalry between the two games. However, the king has been knocked off his throne and Fortnite is now dancing around with its crown as now the biggest video game in the world at this moment point in time. So I just want to get both of your thoughts on on this situation.
0: I'm going to be honest, I'm not that surprised about this. Fortnite has been growing and growing and growing. You know, we talked about in the last episode the fact that, um, you know the games company having to close down uh, one of the other franchises just to kind of put extra support and work into Fortnite and keep it going. I mean, everywhere you look out on Twitch and YouTube, all the gamers at the moment, the big talk is all about Fortnite. And uh, it's, it's a great game. I mean, I haven't played... Pretty much of it. I played a very little bit of it and it looks looks quite good. I've seen people play it. I can understand the excitements there. So, you know, what quite often with a lot of these games is once the streamers and the influencers get behind it and it gets, you know, hyped and hyped and hyped and everyone gets involved with it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing in an enormous rate, uh, which you can see here. And quite often t- overtakes the, the game before it in terms of popularity. So my problem with this is that I have a bad taste in my mouth about Fortnite.
1: Because, I don't know if you remember, but in September of last year, uh, Bluehole, the company that made PUBG, came out saying that it wasn't really fair that Fortnite was doing so well. Because it's pretty much the same game. Fortnite used to be something completely different. Then Bluehole uh, signed with Sony, who also works with Epic Games. And then all of a sudden, Epic Games is making Fortnite, which is very, very similar, using a lot of the tech that Bluehole had made for PUBG Um, and obviously you know if you make a a very well-made game everyone's going to copy you that's just that happens with everything but it's it's the fact that Sony was involved with both of these products and has pretty much just taken the help from Bluehole and then given that to Fortnite. And now, obviously, Fortnite's got Epic behind it, so they've got this massive advantage as it is. So, of course, it's going to take over.
2: The thing is, at the end of the day, it was just uh, bad circumstances, really. And if Fortnite did do uh, what you just claimed, then then so be it. And now they are the biggest game in the world, unfortunately. And sometimes that's how it goes.
1: You're right. That is... I mean, that is just the way it goes. No, No one's done anything wrong, necessarily. But I... You know, I just—I guess—I just feel for PUBG. Like I, I saw it grow from this, you know, early access game to signing with Sony to becoming this massive breakout success. I mean, at the end of the day, it's—it's it's just a multiplayer battleground, uh, battle royale-style shooter, which has existed before. I think they built their game off of armor, but you know, it's—I've seen it grow, and then to see this big company coming in and steal their lunch, basically. It just, it doesn't sit right with me. I
2: just also think uh, if you look at a uh, difference in contrast, to me, Fortnite uh, Battle Royale, it's always going to be the more eye-catching, especially to the younger audiences. It's like very cartoonish in its, uh, in its way. And people, uh, I think Ben was the one who said it about uh, like streamers and YouTubers playing this. I have seen uh, a metric, what's it done, to, to say the least, of people playing this game. And with um, battlegrounds, I, I I know of it. I, I don't see many videos of it. Maybe maybe like it's the people who I'm subscribed to and who I actually frequently watch. But like it's always about Fortnite, and it's never about the other.
0: I think time will only tell how this game develops. Uh, I mean, it's still in early days. I mean, it's still not even full release technically yet. So we there's a lot of way to go, and there's a lot of uh, hurdles still to overcome. And I think the game is you know, far from perfect, but it's on the right track. But You know, with these things, the tables can quickly turn in the opposite direction as they did turn in their direction to get this game as popular as it is.
2: Okay, after that, this is the big one. So hold on to your hat, especially Sony and Microsoft, because a new player has entered the game. Google is launching games console and streaming service called Yeti to rival the both of them. Now this is massive, in my opinion. Google are one of the biggest companies in the world, not in their own division, in the world. And for them to come into the game industry and pretty much seamlessly saying, we're gonna dominate this circuit too, it is great for us as the players, but I'm pretty sure Microsoft and Sony didn't really want a third massive contender, sorry Nintendo, and come in and take people away. So, First thoughts on this and i'm going to dive a bit more deeper into the story
0: so yeah big news from a big company honestly news i was not expecting i felt like other projects were very much taking up google's time at the moment and they were very much looking at other things rather than the games market but obviously it's it's a big it's a big cash pot out there you know the, the amount of people gaming today is bigger than it's ever been in different ways and The whole platform that Google has enabled through Android uh, has brought in gamers younger and younger. There are people playing games uh, far younger than they would have been many years ago just because of smartphones. So it is a a piece of the cake that uh, looks very appetizing to a company like Google, especially um, because they haven't really set foot into what I would call the serious gaming market rather than the kind of amateur type um small indie games smartphone games that kind of thing so it's gonna be interesting to see i would like to see google do it in their own kind of google way which is maybe offer a service that you can stream games um to a device so it's less hardware dependent i feel like generally google offer cloud-based services a lot more than they offer physical products. I know there's the Google Pixel, things like that. But when it comes to services they do, like Google Docs, like um, Google Play Music and Google as as a a platform itself and Google Mail and all the things that Google generally offer, uh, YouTube, they're all products that exist through the web and that you stream through the web and are very web-dependent rather than being device-dependent. I think it's what makes Google such a great company is that you can use their platform no matter what ecosystem you're on. You know, yes, you can buy a Google Pixel and you can buy, you know, the Pixel laptop even, but you don't need any of those to still get full advantage of their platform.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see Google come into this market because we've been needing a netflix style games renting service for a while uh game game selling markets kind of become stagnant we haven't really seen anything interesting happen for a while so that sounds great but building a console i don't know two years ago you could have told me like consoles you know are, are dying out and i would have believed you i know the switch has kind of switched that round but I Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's the consoles that make the money. So if they're just making this device to sell their service, I can see that happening.
0: The difficulty is it's a very saturated platform as well. It is going to be very hard for them to break through and do something completely innovative. Because, I mean, there are already devices that use the android operating system to do cool things with you have got nvidia doing the nvidia shield where they have the tv version you can plug it into your tv and you can open apps play games do all the kind of things you do then they've got the portable shield which lets you stream games from your computer so if you've got a gaming computer in your like gaming room or wherever your gaming computer may be you can stream that game to a device to play in your bed or play anywhere else in the house over the network and Plus, Nvidia are also testing, and it's in beta at the moment. You can get access to it, but you have to be on a waiting list to a platform which is uh, just like an an application you store on your computer, Mac and Windows, which lets you stream games from their servers where they actually run the games and play them. And then you're just kind of connecting to the server and playing them off the server. So it's not device dependent. You don't have to have a powerful computer uh, or particularly a Windows computer, which is normal in the the computer gaming world, uh, to actually play the game. So... It's going, to be, it's going to be complicated. It's going to be quite difficult and challenging for Google to do something truly different.
2: I agree with Ben. When, um, he said it's a bit more saturated out there. But if anyone can crack it, it it's going to be Google, especially to rival uh, the 3 I'm going to include Nintendo here because it, uh, I don't want to upset Alan anymore and PlayStation Xbox. Um, a bit more context um, in this article. Uh, They're saying um, they want to make a futuristic game streaming service with the possibility of a console. So I'm sure they'll probably release the console with the streaming service at the same time. To me, it makes no sense having like a, uh, oh, here's a release for like a stream service, then have the full console. Although I will agree with Alan, we said that consoles seem to be dying out, but I still think they have a bit more tenure in our lives. As well as um, in 2018, they're going to rely on faster internet service, uh, which will run similar to PlayStation Now. And both for Yeti and Now, um, just as a bit of um, context in you, have the concept of Netflix with streaming titles on a one-off subscription basis rather than selling the hard copies. So it'll be quite interesting to see where Google go with this. Google have already previously entered into the gaming area with the uh, Nexus Q on the mobile phone, but launching a home entertainment system is massive and it's and I'm glad that I'm alive at this at this point seeing the landscape change it, almost
1: I think the streaming idea is great but I don't want another console on my living room uh, under my TV it's just it's too much I can't imagine people have the space for it anymore and most consoles these days are adopting this almost uh phone system of selling where they just release upgraded versions you know the the ps4 pro the xbox one x it's just
2: yeah the 4k versions and all that yeah yeah Yeah. yeah,
1: it's just you get the latest you know upgrade it's it's not necessarily you want all these consoles and the other question is if this is all streaming Mm -hmm. I, i know this pool of people is decreasing a lot but what about people who don't have internet
2: see this is this is an interesting question that you uh brought up because i think they're gonna to have to miss out and, and it is a strange thing to, to think especially for me to think how do people not have internet then i think about like um i was gonna say my grandma but she doesn't really play uh, video games but there are, I, I know there are people out there who have the same sort of age who don't have the internet or or the internet isn't very good isn't really playable on um but that's
1: that's the thing this is a streaming mm. software you're not downloading the games to play you need good internet not just internet
2: Yeah, this is quite true.
0: Now, really, the point I wanted to make here is that Google generally only come into a market when all their intentions are is to just change things around. Google rarely get into a market that they actually want to actually win and take over. All they want to do is change the way people look at that market or just get the competition to suddenly do something innovative with it. They've done something similar with the internet market in the US. They have no intention of becoming an internet service provider in America. They just realized that internet service providers in America were becoming too greedy and weren't actually offering the consumers anything good. So they decided to use their power and money to build better internet connections and better internet services in certain areas that needed it to make the other internet service providers go oh god we need to do something because now suddenly we've gone from being really complacent to being there's a big competitor who's got a much better product than us out of the doorstep and they've done this with other things Google have no real intention of building a driverless car they just wanted to move on driverless cars and help them move forward and and bring in competition with new ideas so I maybe feel that this might be them saying we kind of just want to change things around in the gaming industry because we feel like it's become a little bit stale with the console and with the way that we're 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 looking at playing games and that maybe something different needs to be made there. So you know I would I would I would agree and think that um Xbox and PlayStation have got a little bit complacent with their consoles. I think you know yes we've got vr and 4k but there's nothing different there's nothing interesting it's just in- incremental upgrades it's not anything uh, game changing you know nintendo i think i've done some of the biggest changes in terms of the way we look at playing at games but still i mean playing something on a tablet you know is not new so i'm hoping that they just do something that maybe makes us look at the way we play games and the way we interact with gaming and just 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 make it move on
2: for the better That's it for the Games Corner's time, and I'll hand you back to Ben.
0: A computer lets you make more mistakes faster than any invention in human history, with the possible exceptions of handguns and tequila. Thank you, Martin, for this week's Game Corner. Some really interesting topics there. Let's now head over to Versus for this week. So for those of you who weren't listening last week, and I may ask why you weren't listening, might not have seen us do Versus, which is... Something that we have been doing for a while on this series, but we're kind of mixing it up and adding a random news topic that uh, two co-presenters have to choose each and go head to head in order to compete for those all important respect points. Now, as Martin lost the last one, he is going to be hosting and being the judge of this next one uh, between Alan and I, and I'll leave the rest to him. Please be kind to, to us both, and over to you.
2: Uh, thank you, Ben, and thank you for last time out uh, not picking me. I, I, I understand you have to see Alan the next day and whatnot, so I see why you picked him.
0: You both were pretty poor with your, your topics last time, but I just think Alan's was less poor.
2: Okay. I went for a temper tantrum like the kid and his gloves then. So, <laughs> as Ben has just explained, you will now present your uh, funny articles and I will judge them. So, Alan, as you won last week, mm-hmm. would you like to go first or second?
0: I'll go second, please. Oh. Oh, he's going to throw me into the fire first and <laughs> then see how...
2: Test the water, see how it goes. So, Ben, as you're new to this, um, I expect good things. You know, everyone says, like, um, beginner's luck. I expect a cracking good story from you. So, Ben, whenever you're ready. So here I go. First up,
0: my topic is all about what might be your favourite crisp brand. Now what a lot of people might consider to be an April Fool joke, popular brand Doritos have announced their plans for crisps, especially designed for women. No, you haven't heard me incorrectly. The lady-friendly version of the popular tortilla chip will make less of a crunch noise when you eat them, it will be smaller in size so that you can fit it into your little bitsy little bitsy purse as a woman because you need one. And the packet is specifically designed to meet the needs of a woman and not going into small little pieces, as the woman, the representative of Dorito explained, so that you haven't got to tip the bag into your mouth like guys often enjoy doing when they eat Dorito chips, which women woman might not enjoy doing as much. As you can guess, this kind of brought a little bit of an uproar for women who might not like to be told that they can't eat the men's chips and need specially made chips just for them. And PepsiCo, the owners of Doritos, have recently made a little bit of a backtrack but they're trying to say that they want to extend the range of offerings that they have for their consumers to give them a choice in how they want to consume and store their chips. So there we have it.
1: The problem is, though, you know this decision was born out of marketing research. Yeah. You know there are some women out there.
0: <laughs> but no common sense, real common yeah.
1: sense. So some marketing execs read the feedback somewhere like, oh, these women want smaller chips, (laughs) and then decided to do it.
0: So can I just, I want to put a quote in here just before we wrap this up. So this, this this is a quote. This is from the global chief executive at PepsiCo. This was an interview on a radio. She said, When you eat out of a flex bag, one of our single serve bags, especially as you watch a lot of the young guys eat the chips, they love their Doritos and they lick their fingers with great glee. And when they reach the bottom of the bag, they pour the little broken pieces into their mouth because they don't want to lose the taste of the flavor and the broken chips in the bottom. Women would love to do the same, but they don't. They don't like to crunch too loudly in public, and they don't lick their fingers generously, and they don't like to pour the little broken pieces and flavours into their mouth. Can I just say this is a quote.
1: <laughs> From who, sorry?
0: From the global chief executive at PepsiCo.
2: They've clearly not who had owned her Doritos. she just like <laughs> crunches them away as, as as much as she can. Wow. What a wicked article. <laughs>
0: But amusing, I think a completely amusing article. I I was very amused by this.
2: Wow. First thoughts, Martin? Interesting. I I didn't, I would never have thought in 100 years you'd have gone down that route. I think it's just so fantastic. Like, it has everything. It has upsetting people. It has a great quote that I just love. Alan, this is a tough task now.
1: Yeah, I'm up against it now. It was meant to be just another cardiac surgery adding to the growing number of heart transplants in the country. Doctors at Apollo Hospital on Saturday went into an operating theater room to give 56-year-old man dying of heart failure a new heart. However, the donor of the heart, his heart was a normal fist size. The recipient of the heart had the heart of size of a small football. The donor's heart was too small. As they found this out, I don't know how they didn't realize this with scans beforehand. Uh, The patient's lung pressure was shooting up four times the normal amount and time was running out. So plan B was to squidge the heart to the side and sew in the new heart next door to the old heart. Sewed up the guy, stabilized, and walked out the door with two hearts.
2: Can I just say... The opening to that. I was proper cracking up trying to hide it. It was just how it's was like, it was meant to be another <laughs> surgery. It was almost like 20,000 people used to live here. Now it's a ghost town. I was like, where is he going with this? Oh God.
1: Part of the side effects is two sets of pulses and also they're going to have a lot of trouble identifying which heart is his.
2: Oh great. I I, I don't understand
1: (laughs) why he's got double the amount of hearts.
2: He's the doctor from Doctor Who.
1: It's his origin story. (laughs) This is how it
0: happened. Probably a bit more interesting. (laughs) All right, Martin, so the pressure's on. Oh, God. Time
2: for you to decide. It's either a company who clearly have too much time on our hands and like upsetting women, or um pretty much saved by Alan's narration of a guy having a heart transplant and idiot doctors not knowing what they're doing
1: super smart doctors yeah the, the, well
2: can you tell me just before i say my verdict where was this at sorry which hospital
1: the apollo hospital jubilee hills
2: okay so avoid oh, there at all costs if you have a heart problem okay uh I'm going to go with... I'm just going to give it Ben. I have to. Yeah, no, I, that,
0: that's the correct answer. I'll try and be graceful with my... Uh, with my I just uh, thought,
2: response. wow, this can't be real. This just can't be real. That's it for our versus. Ben, as you won, I'll be playing against you next time round. And Looking Alan will to be it. judging. You look forward to it. I do not, especially if you've got these crisps. And thank you very much. Hand you back to Ben. And yeah. Enjoy Doritos, I guess. There's a band called 1023 Megabyte. They haven't had any gig yet.
0: What a wonderful way to end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate all your love and support on these episodes. Don't forget to get on social media. Check also the descriptions below the podcast where we've put links to all the stuff that we've talked about in this episode. Let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already to make sure you always get the latest episode of the podcast in your inbox in your stream ready for you to consume whenever you can Uh, also keep an ear out we are putting bonus episodes in between the core episodes there's always a little bit of extra content for you whenever you need it with that i'd like to say thank you very much to my two co-hosts thank you to alan thank you very much and thank you to martin thank you very much it's been a pleasure talking with you guys as it always is, and we're very excited, as I said, to be back with this podcast, and we hope you guys are enjoying it just as much too. We'll see you on the next one, and with that, I'll say adios. See you later. (laughs) 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 I you've been listening to the three pixels podcast a production by alan taylor martin gregory and me ben ridley music provided by epidemic sound and exec reduced by abrupt audio with that thank you for listening we'll see you next time good night
2: when i was working yesterday a guy actually um of our uh, regulars came in and he came in with like these dorito packets and i just now put two and two together and went that's what they look like <laughs> sorry so I have seen these, by the way. I have seen these. What, Doritos? Doritos? These, no, the Doritos <laughs> are women. What? As they're claiming it to be. Wait, no. Yes. Actually. Honestly. It just, it just hit me just now. He came up and he had um, those chilly heat waves in one of those rectangular ones. I
0: mean, I don't even have a photo of it, so I don't know Yeah, I don't. What you've seen.
2: Honestly, he came, it was like what they look like. Picture um, so like Doritos. The guy but, had these.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it couldn't be that... Them.
1: They're only for women.
2: Yeah. Oh, apparently. I mean, it's like the Yorkie bar. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Yorkie bar, not for women. But um, what they look Coffee like men. is, picture uh, a normal-sized Dorito just <laughs> shrunk really down. And they look like... Oh, um, really?
1: Weird, I wouldn't have thought small Doritos would look like Doritos <laughs> shrunk down.
2: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but they're like, uh, it's hard to explain. Like like this, is it? They're very tiny, like real, real small crisps. Honestly, and if that's them, I have seen them. I have seen them.
0: Martin Gregory, they're like really small crisps
2: they're like crisps That's, that should be their slogan Doritos they're like really <laughs> they're like all Doritos like but just a little bit smaller <laughs> anyway all right, I'm going to shut let me, up let me uh, wrap uh, this up please before I'm I have, to, I have to listen I have to
0: listen up. to all this you know <laughs>